Welcome to C3 Wellington. We're a community on a mission to live, love, and lead like Jesus. For more information about C3 Wellington and to find out about upcoming events and services, visit our website, c3wellington.com. We're so glad you're joining us for this message. We pray it impacts you today. My message this morning uh, is entitled uh, Priceless Yeses and Costly Noes. This was a message I preached in our Yes series. We have a series about this very topic called Yes. So if you want to go deeper into this particular topic for us as a church, there's a series and you'll find it on Spotify and on wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, that sort of stuff. Uh, but this is all about cultivating a yes culture in C3 Wellington, cultivating a yes culture. It's something that uh, you heard there at the, throughout the, uh, that, um, that video. Uh, Pastor Beck said, look, the one thing I want to add to the story is you, you, we can't afford not to be obedient. We can't afford to not say yes, and uh, and to when God gives you an opportunity to say yes, that is the heartbeat of, uh, of and the foundation, I guess, of this church. Uh, it starts with uh, it starts with saying yes to Jesus, doesn't it? Uh, the very first yes is a yes to Him, and then He's going to ask you for more yeses as you go on a journey of following Him. And so we are going to dive into cultivating a yes culture. I want to be really clear from the outset that this isn't about necessarily culturing a yes culture to. Uh, People are asking you to do stuff. That's not what the heart of the beat of this message is. This isn't uh, me saying, great, if I preach this message, I can ask you to do something as your leader and you have to say yes. That is not the heartbeat of this message. This is about you saying yes to Jesus. Okay, you being obedient to his call and his purposes. Uh, yes, he will play that out through uh, those around you, uh, those even over you in uh, authority. There are opportunities where uh, they will come in that direction for sure. But I don't want you to feel like this is me setting you up to, uh, to sort of, you know, get you to do stuff. You've got to say yes. You know. No, that's not this message. Uh, let me pray for us, and we're going to dive into this message. Father God, I thank you uh, that you're a God of the yes. <laughs> I thank you, Jesus, that you said yes when uh, in the great plan of, of redemption, of coming on, taking flesh, coming in the form of a, of a human as a baby, living 33 years without sin, dying on a cross for us, Lord. Or you, Jesus, you gave up your life. You said yes because you saw down the corridors of time uh, a family that was going to be created on the back of your obedience. And no one can ever understand just how hard some of those yeses were, but you did it. You said yes, and we are in this room because of your yes. So Jesus, we give you all honor and glory and praise and we lift you up as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords of this church and of our hearts and God I pray that you would stamp on us uh, the culture of yes and that we would hear your voice and we'd be obedient to move towards what you call us to in Jesus name and everybody said amen amen all right so here let me give you a scripture 2 Corinthians 1 verse 19 this one I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. It says this, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and He is the one whom Timothy, Silas, and I have preached to you. And He has never been both a yes and a no. He has always been and always will be, for us, a resounding yes. A resounding yes. This is a statement which I love, and I believe it was Pastor Bex who preached the message, but she said this, Extraordinary acts of God start with ordinary acts of obedience. Extraordinary acts of God start with very ordinary acts of obedience. In fact, there's more in the ordinary. The supernatural is found in very much the natural place. God just asks, sometimes you can't even see the outcome that God has got for you when you say yes to something. It might seem very trivial. It might seem very insignificant. 
But God has other and great plans on the other side of our yes. This morning we're going to look at uh, the story of Jonah. Uh, Jonah, you find in the book of Jonah, uh, which is, I always find interesting when people write their own uh, uh, story, whether or not he wrote it or someone wrote it on, on his behalf. I, I believe that it's been attributed to him, his own hand. But this is a, 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 it's a crazy uh, journey of someone that uh, said no, but eventually came around and said yes. Uh, and again, I just want to point out the fact that we have the warts and all accounts in the scriptures, you know, and that we're not trying to live some sort of perfect life and, uh, without failure or mistake, uh, and, and that we're to hide and put our little mistakes and errors and weaknesses behind us, hoping that they don't be seen. In fact, what does the Lord say through the, through the Apostle Paul that he has, he has made glorious in our weakness? And so I just want to remind you that we see the warts and all account because people share it. And I think that's such a beautiful thing about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You don't have to you know, act like you've got it all together. I think that's really powerful. Um, the testimony of God is shown when we can't and he can. Amen. So my first point this morning is this, the cost of no, the cost of no, okay? So Jonah is called by God to reach the city of Nineveh, the great city of the Assyrian Empire, 120,000 people, three days to walk from one side to the other, the Bible states, he hears God's voice and he disobeys. He says no to God and he runs. So let's look at the first point here, and this is the... Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, the cost of no, the first point of this is the cost to you. This is the cost to you of saying no to the call. It says this in Jonah 1 verse 3, But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. So here's what I've observed here. Jonah was called by God to preach to Nineveh. Instead of going east to Nineveh, he decided to go as far west as possible to Tarshish. This is going in the complete opposite direction. Jonah not only fled his calling to the great city of Nineveh, he fled the presence of God. He was not only running from his purpose, he was running from God's presence. And while I want to hear some thoughts of what around this, your purpose and God's presence are a package deal. They're a package deal. Running from your purpose is running from God. Disobedience is costly. It costs you intimate connection. It costs you the very thing you were designed for, that being relationship with God. Not because God removes his presence. You've got to understand this but that we run from it. The presence of God is something that is available to us always. He doesn't hide himself from us, the scriptures say. He is available to us. The call is always to come, to come, to come. But when we choose uh, to say no, we, choose, we are saying no, not just from purpose. We're saying no from presence because those things will go hand in hand. So, God's word never changes. He knows what he's going to say the moment we return to him. This is why, why the presence of God is so attached to our purpose. We know the moment we return, we know, the, we know what the voice of God is going to say. Jonah knew the moment he returned, it wasn't going to, the, the Nineveh thing wasn't coming off the table, was it? So we take matter into our own hands. We stop trusting God. Like Jonah, we take back the driver's seat of our lives. We board the boat. 
to Tarshish or whatever it might be for us, and we run. The cost to you, but not saying yes to God, often is a drying up of the presence of God in your world. It's, it's why purpose is so powerfully important and why we must continue as a church to encourage and press towards purpose. That's so inextricably connected. There's a big word today. All right, the next point is the cost to others. So the cost to you, the cost to others. This is Jonah 1, verses 4 and 5. It says this, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the shipwrecked to, ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, little g. So each cried out to his God, little g. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So we've got a situation now. We've got a storm brewing, a tempest, it says. And these mariners, these salty sea dogs, these guys that, are, that have got salt in their veins, they're used to the, the, the sea, they, they, they spend their lives on the sea, and they've seen many a storm. They were afraid. That's some sort of storm, isn't it? They begin praying to other gods. I just want to stop and pause, and let's just lay this right now on the, the fabric of society and the, cult, and the climate we have right now in New Zealand and in the world. We're finding ourselves in a tempest. We're finding ourselves in a storm of uncertainty and in a, in, a, in, a, in a tribulation of time where people don't know what's in store for us, what's going to happen. This situation is unprecedented, right? You know, it's not that the world hasn't gone through um, uh, an, an, a, a pandemic, viral pandemic before, but this is taking to extraordinary measures as we know things are happening in our own nation, which is causing a sense potentially of division and things going on. I'm not here to talk about necessarily the political elements or this or that when it comes to regards to things like vaccines. But I'm just here to say that in amongst this storm, there is an opportunity as people are crying out, there's an opportunity for us, the people of faith, to rise above the circumstance and be the answer. We carry the answer. On this boat, Jonah, the believer in God, he's the one that has the answer. They're all praying to gods that don't exist. But he knows the real God and he knows the one that can, that can calm the storms and speak to the waves and bring a sense of certainty, bring a sense of peace. Yet we find himself, because he's run from his purpose, asleep. And I just want to encourage you, family, right now, in this season we live, in this moment in time, we have an opportunity as faith-filled people to be the answer, to bring the answer, to bring Jesus and faith to bear on the situation. He is the anchor for us, not the government's decisions, not a viral outbreak, nothing like that does not overwhelm or overshadow the fact that Jesus Christ is our anchor, and we can bring faith to bear into people's lives right now. We have a great opportunity, don't we, church? We have a tempest situation, would you agree? But Jonah was asleep. <laughs> so Jonah's, first of all, let's just talk about this. Jonah's disobedience affected others. There's a reason why the tempest came. We can now disconnect from COVID situations. <laughs> Lest we get into trouble by saying it's this group of people. That, but no. <laughs> uh, but look, Jonah's disobedience brought this storm. Salty sailors were afraid. As I said, they began to pray to other gods. They're crying out for rescuing. People, are, people right now are crying out. And Jonah, called to be a great prophet and evangelist, is asleep. He's completely oblivious to the opportunity to reach these sailors with the love of God. So some key thoughts here is this, that our no blinds us. Our no blinds us. 
It hardens us. It breeds apathy. We fall spiritually asleep. We both we become fixated on ourselves, and we miss the opportunity around us to make a spiritual difference in the lives of others, which is what we are called to do. So your yes is more important than you can realize or believe. Let me tell you, your yes is critical. So before we move forward, let me ask you a couple of key questions for reflection, yeah? Is there something God has called you to do that you have either running from, paused from, hesitant about? What has God called for you? What, is, what has God spoken over your world that might be in front of you that you haven't gone after? Is there something there maybe? The other question is this. Is there something you're just saying no to? Is there something you're saying no to? But I've got some good news. We're going to spin this positive. Thank you, Jesus. That God is the God of the second chance. Amen. Don't you love that God is the God of the second chance? Uh, when I, in that story, I said that I wrote the church down in a journal 15 years ago. Um, and I'm like, how could God use me, a broken, a broken man? Look, I know that God is the God of second chance. I know from my own life, God is the God of second chance. Look, I've been the, I've been the guy that's been stood down from ministry and church. I've, been, I've, I've gone through pastoral discipline. I've been stood down as a worship leader, sat on the back benches. I've been through, I've been through it. I've been through all sorts of stuff. I'm just saying God is the God of the second chance. Amen? So I'm not coming from some sort of like, you know, Perfect kind of background. Nah. I know that you guys know that I'm not. But I'm just saying, you know, like, <laughs> I know this personally. God is the God of the second chance. Come on, who knows that God is the God of the second chance? Point number two, this, the turn around God. The turn around God. So Jonah, uh, I'm going to pick the story back up. In, uh, this is still chapter 1, uh, 17 to chapter 2, verse 2. Let's read this. It says this, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Who else was on in the belly of Sheol for three days and three nights? Some messianic prophecy stuff going on there. Pretty cool how the, the Bible does that. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, which is the grave. I cried, and you heard my voice. Hmm. Some observations, God appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. That is crazy. It's crazy nuts. Um, I don't know if I actually mentioned this. Actually, I should mention this. Part of Jonah's repentance was to say to the sailors, uh, actually, the storm is because of me. <laughs> uh, you know, there was some, uh, there's some ownership. There's some humility. There's some repentance even in that moment. And he even said, just throw me overboard and you'll find that the storm will, will cease. Well, that's pretty crazy faith. It's pretty crazy faith. I don't know, uh, you know, uh, if, if that just blows my mind. But anyway, so he gets thrown overboard, the, the storm ceases, the sailors are saved, uh, and anyway, then the, the fish swallows up. Jonah, uh, here's the thing though, what seemed to be a life-ending, what seemed to be life-ending became life-saving, like a lifeboat. Who remembers our message, we choose the boat. <laughs> so what seemed to be life-ending became life-saving. So God does his best work in the storms, people. God does his best work in the storms, in the wilderness. Jesus himself, he's acquainted with the wilderness. He did 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, tempted by the devil, trying to sabotage his purpose. The point of that, uh, those temptations and the outcome, 
It says this after Jesus' time in the wilderness. It says this in Luke 4, verse 14. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and a report about Him went through all the surrounding country. So after that wilderness experience, power, spirit of power came on Him. John the Baptizer is another example. Luke 3, verse 2, it says, During his priesthood of, uh, during the high priesthood of Annas, Annas and Caiaphas, the Word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah. Where did it come to him? In the wilderness. In the wilderness. In the wilderness. One of my favorite scriptures around this wilderness and how God uses it is Hosea chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. I love this scripture. Therefore, behold, uh, I will allure her. God's speaking through the prophet Hosea. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, talking about the people of Israel who had strayed from God, and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her vineyards and make the valley of Accor the valley of trouble, the valley of, 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 of this troubled situation that they might face, this, this valley of, of, of hopelessness, this valley that doesn't seem to have an outcome. That's, I'm going to turn this valley into a door of hope, says the Lord. Let me read it to you in the message. And now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start all over again. He's a God of the second chances. I'm going to start all over again. I'm taking her back out into the wilderness where we had our first date. <laughs> and I'll court her. And I'll give her bouquets of roses. And I'll turn Heartbreak Valley into acres of hope. The promise of God. He'll turn Heartache Valley into acres of hope. Man. Then Jonah's repentance, let's read it in John 2, 5 to 10. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed up on me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. What a miraculous situation. So here's some, again, some thoughts here. Look, obviously God is the God of second chances. And the wilderness is designed to restore relationship. To strip away everything that you might end in the end, find God. It's his unfailing love that found Jonah in the belly of the whale. God turned the valley of Accor, heartbreak valley, the valley of trouble, into a doorway of hope. This is the, uh, the beautiful news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it is always a chance. It's always a chance. He stands on the veranda, as, it, as he says in the story of the prodigal son, looking to the horizons that we might Return. So look, I am just want to encourage you, if maybe you feel like there's been no moments in your world, hey man, today's a new day, today's a new chapter where we can say yes again to, to, to God, amen. Point number two, the priceless yes. The priceless yes. John, Jonah 3 verses 1 to 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, like I said, three days' journey in breadth. We'll carry on in verses 5. It says, And the people of Nineveh believed God. 
They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes, as was the custom of repentance in the time. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and the nobles, let there be no, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything, let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and the violence that is in their hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger, so that we may not perish. And when God saw what they did, how they had turned away from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. <laughs> wow. We're talking a, a city of 120,000. It's bigger than Lower Hutt. Amazing. Amazing what was on the other side of Jonah's obedience. One thing I find interesting, and this is the call of God's irrevocable, uh, what God's called on, what God's placed on your life and what God's called you to, he doesn't take it back. I love that, um, that Jonah, even after his disobedience and running and that ordeal, God came to him a second time and said, go to Nineveh. You're my guy. This is the call of God on your life. This is what I'm calling you to do. You're the one. And on his... Uh, a, Obedience to that, the city ended up in repentance. Right from the, from the leaders and government right through. And I'm just saying that God can do amazing things, right? I'm just saying like we, we're, we, we sometimes in the moment feel like, what can we do? What can we do, you know? But I'm just saying that God can turn a city. The outcome is his. Our, our, our position is obedience. Our, our position is to be the people that will say yes. No matter what God's called. Now, your yes is inconvenient. Your yes, your yes is risky and requires faith. There's no doubt about it. What God's calling you to do, you can't do without his, without his presence and without faith. It's going to be beyond your ability God always calls us to do things beyond our own ability so that he might shine glorious through it. But God used Jonah to reach a city and an entire city turned to God. So some questions for your family. And if you've got a track, you can play it. Be great. Fantastic. Thanks, guys. All right, here's a question for you. Who believes God can reach this city? I wanted to play that video because, of course, it talks about the yes. But in that, in that vision, God handed me a set of keys and said, I'm giving you the keys to the city. Come on, let's go. Huh. We're not after good ideas. <laughs> We're after God's idea, God's plan. But if God says it can happen, it can happen, right? Nothing is beyond him or impossible for him. If we have faith to believe and say yes. God's got a great call for this church, us, this community. Second question, 
First question was, who, believe God can, who believes God can reach this city? My second question is, who believes God can use us to reach this city? He's calling us to it. There's a cost to saying yes to Jesus, but the reward is priceless. 120,000 people in the city of Nineveh, their lives forever changed because Jonah said yes. You can't outrun God. He is a relentless pursuer of your heart. So maybe for some of us, it's time to quit running, just say yes. I don't know what your yes looks like. That's between you and Jesus. It's between you and God. But it's priceless. It's a priceless decision. Definition of priceless? So precious that its value cannot be determined. I'm sure there are people in that city in Nineveh that are very grateful that Jonah said yes. I just want to remind you that you are priceless to God and your yes is priceless. Extraordinary acts of God start with ordinary acts of obedience. We want to cultivate a culture of yes in this church. What that looks like for us corporately and what it might look like for us individually, well, that's for us to go on a journey together. And we want to be the kind of faithful people that say yes. That we don't look to the situation, things beyond us, or we look at what we have in our hands and we don't think we can do it. If God says, do this, we just want to be, like if God calls us out on the water, you're not supposed to walk on water, right? But if we want to be the kind of people that if God calls us out, we're going to go, yep, we go, we'll go. We just have the belief and faith in that if you're calling us, you look after us, we won't sink. We want to be the kinds of people that if God says walk around that city seven times and yell as a military strategy, <laughs> we're going to crank out the tambourines for this one, guys. That will say, sure. We're not looking for a church blueprint. We're not looking to how that church does it or that church does it, although you can be inspired and absolutely, and thank you, Lord, for the church of God and all of its beautiful displays and various expressions. But we want God's plan for C3 Wellington. We want His blueprint for this church. And then when He reveals it, we say yes. But one thing I know is that we don't reach this city without your yes. My yes. Your yes. My yes. That's how the cause and the call of God goes through. That's how that vision becomes a reality for us. It's not, like in some ways I feel like, like they, Stephen Beckson, get out of the way, like it's not about us. We're just here to facilitate the call of God and see what's on your life to see it come to pass.